I worked in college admissions for nine years. One of the biggest pieces people don't realize is it's a business. Your child can check every box, have the stats, and still not get in. Because at some point, they have enough males in their engineering program. They have enough females in their nursing program. They are looking for diversity within their program, whether that means race, ethnicity, gender, other attributes that a student can bring. This is A Joyful Rebellion, the podcast that explores that moment you realize the life and success you worked so hard to create didn't come with all the fulfillment you thought it would. I'm your host, James Walters, and I want you to be the author of your own story. Each week, I connect with people who inspire bold answers to the question, what do I do now to create a life I love? If you're ready to start answering that question for yourself, you're in the right place. So let's start A Joyful Rebellion. When you were a kid, how often did you think about what kind of career you wanted when you grew up? And yes, I have my air quotes up for that. You know, work takes up a lot of the space in our life. And for many, that journey began by deciding if and where to attend college. My guest today is Kelly McLean, founder of the Kelly McLean Achievement Center. And over the last 11 years, she and her team have helped over 5,000 students select the right major and college get selected for scholarships, and set them up for a bright and successful future. You know this podcast is all about creating your best life. So even if you don't have kids or if college is just a hazy memory, stick around because as you might expect, Kelly and I go a little deeper into how decisions made in high school can have a big impact on life's trajectory. I am so happy that you're here and we can talk about this. There's a point in everyone's life where they're really moldable and they're ready to get out there into the world. They've got big dreams. I know I did. And then you run up against life for long enough. And even if you've been doing all the things, working on your career, working on yourself, working on your education, a lot of people I know get to that point where they, they think to themselves, gosh, this seemed like it was going to be more fun when we were right. at the beginning of the adventure. So when I saw how you help families get kids into college, get something that works for them as appropriate, isn't going to take them off course, I thought, wow, that's kind of, that's not the beginning, but it's sort of the beginning of when the rocket ship really goes off because of course the beginning is maybe kindergarten, you know, grade school, that kind of stuff. But when they become a young adult and the way that they start having a lot more input to what their future looks like, that is huge. And we've all seen that go really well. We've all seen that go not so great. I'd love to know how you got into it. I know you you were in schools for how long did you do that and, and sort of saw it from behind the scenes? I worked in college admissions for nine years. Okay. Even of those nine years, I coached varsity girls high school soccer. Between going into high schools and speaking with students, between students coming into the college for tours and questions, or me just coaching my soccer team and hearing their conversations regarding college, I saw what a huge breakdown there was. Mm. You know, having that inside view of knowing what really happens and then seeing the steps they were taking that were not in alignment with the best outcomes. Mm. I started helping my soccer players with their journey. Then their parents started referring me to other people. College admissions, I think one of the biggest pieces people don't realize 
is it's a business. Your child can check every box, have the stats, and still not get in. Mm. Because at some point, they have enough males in their engineering program. They have enough females in their nursing program. They are looking for diversity within their program, whether that means race, ethnicity, gender, other attributes that a student can bring. So thinking like, oh, I can apply last minute because I've got the best stats of anybody I've ever heard of Hmm. and then get a ton of denials. Okay, well, how did that happen? Like, I'm amazing. (laughs) Yeah. That, that's a problem. Ouch. So yeah. I started helping more and more families, quit my job. I was a single parent. And my life trajectory, it's funny because when you talk about your podcast, the way it's written up, you talk about, you get to that point where it's like, oh, wait, this isn't necessarily what I was expecting, or mm. it's not as much joy. And I can tell you, for women, I think in particular, when you go through your 20s, it's the get era the get era. I have to get the new job. I have to get the guy. I have to get married. I have to get the house. I have to get my life moving in the direction I'm anticipating. I have to have a child. The 30s, it's all about getting everything for the kid and the family, getting into the right preschool, getting into the right play programs, getting into the right school. Then you hit your 40s and you're like, who's getting for me? Like, wait, where did my life go? You've just been in charge of the household. And I can say what I'm doing now, I am truly passionate about. Colleges are businesses. And the business model when I was exiting had really become, we need heads in beds. Mm. It doesn't matter if it's right for the student. And that's not your job to figure out. And I was like, yeah, no, can't do that. I can't in good conscience tell a kid, oh, yeah, we're going to meet all your needs. Oh, yeah, we'll be able to help you with that. Oh, yeah, we do that. Can't do that. So from my perspective, I get to be honest and truthful and really help kids. And I think a big thing that we do, going back to your point of when they're moldable and all of that, we really help them gain confidence in what that underlying dream is that they're sometimes afraid. Mm. And I won't be able to do that. Mm-hmm. I, I have to play it safe. I'm working with a girl right now. She's an amazing artist. I mean, just amazing. She does digital art, wants to work in either film or video games, something like that. And I mean, I've seen a lot of kids art and she's really, really talented. She's like, yeah, but it's safer if I just go like architecture. I'm like, this is the time to live your dream. You can get a master's in architecture if this doesn't pan out. But this is your moment to live the dream. Oh, but what if I'm not good enough? What if I don't get accepted? What if? And I'm like, why are you arguing for your limitation? (laughs) Stop arguing for your limitation. Life's going to put enough limitations on you already. Society's going to put enough limitations. You need to fight for your goals, what you want your life to look like. What does that look like for you? And let's get there. Being that open door to let kids express what is that hidden dream in the back of their head that maybe their parents have kind of you know, well, how are you going to make money at that? And like, I get that. I'm a <laughs> yeah. parent. I get, it. I get like, we have to have an actionable plan. Yeah. But we also have to be able to realize our dreams and goals and, okay, well, how can I monetize that? And I think that's where we really come in and we could really help kids see like, no, there are these jobs where you can use what you want. 
mm-hmm. in these positions to make money and still have the life that you want. So we're really good at bringing those pieces together. I mean, we're constantly researching occupations and new things. Our education system has not kept up with society, right, yeah. economy, technology. It has not kept up with that. Kids are still taking the same classes. When I was in high school, it's math, English, science, and history for four years, and there might be a couple of electives there. Project lead the way engineering or a business class or something. And it's funny. See, you got me on a rant now. Sorry. <laughs> the holidays are super stressful for kids because extended family come over. So what are you thinking about doing? Hear your <laughs> child say something in business. That means they have no clue what they really want to do, but they want to get that aunt or uncle off their back. Yeah. So by saying something in business, the aunt or uncle is going to be like, oh, that's good. Yeah, there's so many things you can do, blah, blah, blah. And they're going to talk and the kid's like, okay, <laughs> all right. Yeah, I'm going to keep talking to you. And yeah. they're going to walk away I'm going to slide like, away now. Because if they say, I don't know, the aunt or uncle are going to be like, well, you really need to decide and put pressure on them. So mm-hmm. new business is like kind of the fallback I've realized over the years that that's what comes out of kids' mouths when they really have no idea. It's code for get off my back. I'm doing something. It's just a little nebulous right now what that's going to turn out looking like. You mentioned people saying, well, how are you going to make money at that? I vividly remember. I remember where I was standing, everything about it. I was getting ready to go to college. I decided I was going to go to college to learn how to be a photographer. And photography is what I've done for 30 years now. And my grandmother looks at me and she said, how are you going to make money taking pictures? And I just looked at her and I was like, well, I mean, it's a job. Like people... People do it, but her frame of reference, even though she read the newspaper every day, now I wasn't a photojournalist, but even though she had family pictures hanging on her wall all over the place, she couldn't think of how that would be a job where you could support yourself. And that was eye-opening for me because I went on to do it pretty successfully for my whole adult life so far, and here we are. And I think she'd be proud if she saw what happened. But you mentioned the fact that colleges are a business. And I'm curious if the business model is a little bit different between private colleges and state-funded colleges, or is it just the same across the board? It's the same in most respects. There are nuances, of course. Again, they're businesses. And I often liken it to the return policies of stores. One store is going to give you a credit. One store is going to put it back on your credit card. One store is going to give you a gift card. You know, one store, you've got 30 days. One store, you might have six months and no questions asked. Colleges all have their own policies. There's no standard. So some state colleges, because of their funding model, are required to take a certain percentage of in-state students. Mm -hmm. So if you're an out-of-state student, you are at a huge disadvantage. It doesn't matter what their admission rate says, their acceptance rate. Out of state is a completely different acceptance rate when you factor in that the majority of kids have to come from in state. So it just really depends. And it's a very fluid event when they're doing college admissions. Hmm. If suddenly, if they have a large marching band and suddenly the band director is like, look, we do not have any kids coming in that play the saxophone. And so now, in admissions, they're looking for kids who put that they've been in band and they play the saxophone <laughs> because they're hoping then the band director can reach out to that kid like, hey, we have this opportunity. Wow. There's a lot of things that go into college admissions beyond the grades, test scores, resume, and so forth. And I don't think people realize how it's viewed. It's always viewed as to the benefit of the college, not the mm. student. The director of the University of Pennsylvania last year wrote a great article 
I think it came out the end of March, right before they were releasing their decisions with their 4% acceptance rate. They were saying, as much as we'd like to take all of the highly qualified students, every time we select one student for a program, we reevaluate what we need mm-hmm. next. So it doesn't matter if the next kid who comes up is applying to the same program but has better stats, spots gone. Wow. What do we need? What are we looking for? What programs still need to be filled? What diversity do we want on campus? And again, that is so far beyond just race. Like, I don't want that to be taken as it's a race thing Mm -hmm. or that colleges are just pro filling their campus with minorities. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying they want a good mixture, male, female, a good mixture of people who are going to participate in the theater, people who are going to participate in business programs, people who are going to do research underneath professors and help work on those types of projects. So they're looking for a diverse mix of students who have some experience in these areas that can come into the campus and start lifting that little city by participating in it. Oh, wow. And who decides what the mix is going to be? Is it just the the people who run things, I guess, decide what do we want to be known for? Are they trying to create a culture and then they filter in people based on that? Okay. Right. So for instance, University of Pennsylvania, if you look at their demographics, it's 49.5% women, 49.5% men. If you look at the College of Charleston, it's like 63% women, Mm -hmm. 37% men. College of Charleston is looking at that whole art vibe. Everything in the arts, they're really known for that. The city they're in, great architecture, great art vibe itself. So it does attract more women and they don't care. The University of Pennsylvania wants to be perceived as very fair. Okay. So it really comes down to what their brand is, essentially. If we're using business terms, it's we're going to dial in the brand and we're going to filter in people that fit the brand. Right. And if you get bad publicity for something, you may go a little too far in one direction to offset that bad publicity. It sounds just based on what you're saying is it's about the culture. It's about the community they're creating. And then maybe academics fall second, third. Where do academics actually fall in there? It's right up there with the culture. I mean, because they have programs to fill, so they want to know academically. That's another thing. A lot of parents are like, well, we'll just go in undecided. And then they Mm. can transfer into that highly selective business program, engineering program, whatever. That's really difficult to do. And colleges like to have an idea of what gap are you filling? So they're not looking to take a class of undecided kids who all think they're matriculating into the business program. They've got other programs to fill, professors to pay. That makes a lot of sense. The area I live in, it's the capital is North Carolina. We've got a lot of universities here. They're mostly known for their basketball programs, but that's cool. I actually have a kid at one of them and he went in undecided. And so many people, when I say that, they look at me like, how? Because like you said, a lot of them, they want to know what you want to do when you grow up before you've grown up. And that a lot of them do. Yeah. Yeah, it seems a little strange, but that leads me to the question, do you think, and and I have my own thoughts on this, but someone who's seen lots and lots of kids go off to school, how do you think for a kid who's leaving the nest, who's had that well-run schedule of school, high school, had that repetition for so many years, where on your list would 
the college experience, like if I'm throwing my air quotes up, the college experience falls as opposed to the education, because like you were a soccer coach for a long time. Those kids, they're not in class, but they're learning a lot. They're learning a lot about strategy. They're learning a lot about teamwork. They're learning. So I've always thought we're always learning, whether you're in class, whether you're not, you go off to a college And maybe you do choose it for the culture. Maybe you do choose it for the program it has. But you're going to experience the culture. If you're at a really liberal place, you're going to get those. If you're in a different spot, you're going to kind of get that. What are your thoughts on culture and the college experience versus just academics for these kids who are around 17, 18 years old? We tell every family a college has to fit your kid three ways. Mm. The first way is if they do know what they want to do, it has to have the right academic programs. And you can't just assume that you're going to, I'll give you a perfect example. I had a student once wanted to go pre-med. Some schools have pre-med programs, but a lot, you're just in a biology program or chemistry and you're working your way through it. That's very, very common. Biology is biology, right? So this kid goes (laughs) to a school, he's on a tour and he's going through the tour and his mom relayed after the fact the entire time they're on this tour, he's like, oh my God, did you hear that? Oh, look, they do this. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. Oh, wow, this is great. Mom said the kid literally, if they would have handed him an application, he would have filled it out right there and been done. Hmm. But I always encourage students to meet with the head of the department they plan to major in. And then the head of the department, his office was filled with plastic cubes floor to ceiling, every wall with the exception of a couple shelves. The plastic cubes were filled with bugs because he was an entomologist. (laughs) So his focus was more on entomology, ecology, horticulture. So I had given the student a list of questions in advance. So tell me about your cadaver lab. Like what's the newest thing in your cadaver lab? Yeah, we haven't done much in the cadaver lab in the past five years. Do you have MCAT programs to help students study for the MCAT? Nope, don't have that. Do you see students matriculate into med school? Well, occasionally we do. It wasn't their focus. Mm. So it didn't matter how great the culture was. It didn't matter how great the campus was. It didn't matter that the kid would have had a great time. It would have been the wrong school. Mm -hmm. No question. We tell families, you really need to do more than just go online, look up like the top 30 schools for a particular major or like, oh, it's got a good reputation. That's all crap. (laughs) This is where your kid's going to live for the next four years. Like your kid has to identify what's important to them. How do they want that experience to look? Because employers increasingly, especially since COVID, are looking for kids who have done a lot of things on campus because they want to know they can collaborate. Because that has been the biggest challenge for employers. Kids want to come in and work by themselves and not talk to anyone because that's how they've spent the last several weeks. You know what I mean? They were on Zoom. They didn't have to do those things. So they want to know when you're on campus, you can collaborate with others. You're involved in groups and maybe you had a leadership role or two. They want to see that. If your kid hates where they're going to school, if it doesn't have things they enjoy, the types of clubs they want, then it's probably not a good fit. doesn't matter how great the academic program is. I visit a lot of college campuses. I went to a University of New Mexico. And literally, if you don't own a skateboard, don't go there. Because <laughs> I'm, like, like, I'm like dodging skateboards, watching who's coming as I'm walking through the campus. Is it like Everybody the had- Tony Hawk program or what's I, going on I down there? That, that was super common. A University of Tampa has a skydiving club. Like who knew, right? Okay. But like if, if your kid's really adventurous, that's something that they're into. If they're a kid who needs that excitement, that adrenaline rush, 
I'd rather have him do it in a nice organized fashion within a club in a school than <laughs> taking chances on their own on the streets. No, I think it's really important that you factor in both pieces. And then the third piece is financially. It has to fit the family's budget. Too often, parents want what's best for their kids. I want them to have the best opportunity, the best school, the best everything. Bless our little hearts. Yeah. And then the parent <laughs> is 62 years old, $200,000 in debt mm. from student loans they took out to facilitate their kids going to the school they wanted to go to. And let me tell you, when those kids get out of school, they have their own little chunk of debt. They're not paying the parents' debt. And mm -hmm. now the parent can't move to a smaller house because they can't afford a mortgage because their debt to income is too high with that $200,000 Yeah, anchor. ouch. So the financial piece is real. And families who weren't my client, I often get them coming when they're like, okay, what do we do with all this now? And I'm like, there's nothing you can do about pay. <laughs> right. They're like, can't we consolidate it or this or that? Isn't that forgiveness? And I'm like, no, there's no forgiveness for parents. None. Zero mm. zip. So don't do it. Your kid's going to work a lot longer than you. They have a lot more time to pay off debt. If they absolutely insist on going to a school that incurs debt, they need to incur the debt. I like that you said that. About to have that conversation next week. <laughs> there you go. Like, what's the end goal? So I have a daughter who's a veterinarian. Mm -hmm. She's a very successful vet. And she's actually been asked to speak at a lot of different veterinarian symposiums. She just nice. turned 32. So I think that's pretty good. She's been asked to teach some classes at Ohio State's vet school. She went to Ohio State's vet school. The plan was always Ohio State's vet school. And everybody's like, oh, so did she go to Ohio State undergrad? And I'm like, no. And they're like, no. And I'm like, we didn't even apply. And here's why. Because there are thousands of kids in the bio programs at Ohio State. Mm. There are a bunch of them think they're getting into the vet school because they went to Ohio State. Oh. Well, Ohio State wants diverse perspectives in their vet school. It increases learning when there are new ideas coming from new sources, different things. There was a girl in her cohort who her major in college was opera. That was her major in college. Whoa. But she did well on the GRE. She had great grades. She had done all the shadowing and working in a vet clinic. She had checked all the other boxes. She brought diverse perspectives. They didn't want 162 kids who all did biology at Ohio State and could bring no new insight, huh. no new thoughts, yeah. no new conversation. So my daughter went to a little small school, not known for anything. She played Division II soccer. Her freshman year, she was ESPN, All-American, All-Academic, first team in the country as a freshman. She was vice president of student activities committee. She rode on their equestrian team. She babysat for the head of the math department, had the science department with the thought, these people are going to write my recommendation. <laughs> I love it. And she did well. I mean, she got great grades because it was easy for her to juggle numerous things because mm. the school wasn't known for super rigorous academics. Mm -hmm. She got into vet school and she did just fine. She wasn't behind because she didn't go to a world-renowned school. In fact, when she interviewed, there were people there that had interviewed more than once already from both Yale and Cornell. Hmm. My daughter got in first try. So you have to think, like, what do these people want? And let's work backwards. Like, I don't care. Like, if your goal is you want to work for Chase Bank in Manhattan, not like as a toddler, but like in yeah. the upper. Sure. Like, I want to work here. Okay. Where did all their bigwigs go to school? Where did the people below them go to school? Where did the people below? What did they study? What are the things that are going on there? And then how do I get there? 
are, are you reaching out to those people? I have a kid I'm super impressed with. And, and this is what we encourage with our students. We build their confidence. We show them how easy it is to step outside the box, to do things now as 16 and 17 year olds. Because if you gain confidence, not on a sports field, not like just in the classroom, but like in the real world, God, where that can take you later. So I have a kid. He doesn't want to go into poli sci. He's thinking business. But he's like, I wonder what they do in the mayor's office. I'm like, call him and see if you can intern. He picked up the phone. (laughs) First of all, for a 17-year-old to pick up the phone to do anything other than text Mm -hmm. is amazing. He called the mayor's office. Hey, I'd be really, you know, I'm a senior now and I'd really like to come in. And I thought maybe I could intern for you and willing to do whatever. He's interning for the mayor. I have another student. He's like, what am I going to do to help me stand out? And I'm like, well, what do you like? Oh, I like tech. I like computer stuff. I like this and that. I go, we know who sucks at that. He looks at me and I'm like, old people. Her <laughs> community have like a senior citizen center. He's like, yeah. I go, tell them that you'll come in, you pick the day, you pick the time, and you'll teach people how to use their phone. So he did. We created the flyer for him. He's like, can you help me? Like, I don't know what to put on the flyer and everything. He goes two Wednesday nights a month, an hour each time. That's it. it. He picked the time, picked the days. He has a line out the door. He teaches them how to pair their phone and their watch. He teaches them how to FaceTime their grandchild. That's fantastic. phone. This isn't rocket science, but how much confidence has this kid built? Because he walked into a community center and said, hey, I'd like to do something. And they said, yes. I have another girl. She's got a dog. It's not a therapy dog. It is not certified in any way, shape or form, but it's a great (laughs) dog. She went to an assisted living place and she's like, I'd like to bring my dog in for your residence and do some R, but the dog will be there. And they said, yes. But see, people want to argue for their limitations. Like, well, you can't do this, not therapy dog. You'd have to have it certified. as. I don't know. Did you ask? Ask first. Don't assume you can't do something. Stop arguing for your limitations. What can you do? How can you do it? Those are the questions kids should be asking, not why they can't. Why they can't. Like your grandmother put in your head. Right. How are you going to make a living doing that? And I just did. Right. Well, that's the other thing. I was super curious how you navigate this with kids and with families, because when you are 17, 16, 17, 18, there are a lot of possibilities in the world. And a lot of times in their minds, sometimes they do feel those limitations or at least talk about them. But sometimes there's a lot of idealistic energy and there's a lot of passion that's driving them forward. Then maybe they do go into that program because they thought it would be the answer. And that's what we talk about and work through a lot on this podcast is Man, I thought this was going to be the thing. This career was going to make me happy or this partner was going to make me whatever it was. But when they start setting up those dominoes and start with a particular program at a college and then that program maybe leads to a job. It was a beautiful example you gave with the person who majored in opera then went to veterinary school because it's like she lived two lives almost. She lived a little opera life for four years for undergrad. Then she went to what she really wanted to do. But for someone who thinks that their passion is being a veterinarian because they've always loved animals. I remember having this conversation with my daughter when she was, gosh, maybe seven years old. She said, you know, I think I want to be a vet, but I really don't because I love animals, but I don't want to have to give them shots. And I thought, okay, well, you know that about yourself. 
that's really good. We can check that off the list. But when someone does put all of their eggs into a basket to train and go to college, they've spent a ton of money. Then they go into a career and they're like, oh, I don't know. Do you see that happen? Or is there a point at which they realize in their schooling, gosh, this is a little too real for me. It's not the idealized version of what I thought it was going to be. And they bail. Or do they get all the way to the job? I can tell you, the students that we have worked with as high school students, 99% of them have graduated in four years in the major they planned and successfully went off to work and are happy. However, every year over Easter break, I get phone calls from parents I've never spoken with before, or maybe their kid did ACT test prep with us or SAT. They did something like that. And they call and they go, my kids are really unhappy in college and they're talking about not wanting to go back. They hate their major. Every year I get this, th that time frame, because hmm. they did the first semester. They probably complained. The parents said, oh, it's going to get better. Just stick it out. Let's see how second semester goes. And the kid is miserable. Hmm. They're home for spring break and the parents are like, oh my God, I don't want to see my kid this miserable. So here's what I think. Again, our education system has not kept up with society. Mm -hmm. Kids have no idea what jobs are out there. They have no idea. I've never had a kid tell me that they know what a periodontist does or what a pen tester is or numerous other careers. I had a kid tell me he doesn't want to go into sales. He doesn't want to sit at a desk. I go, you have no idea what sales is. He goes, well, sure, they sit at a desk and they answer for the phone. I go, that is not what salespeople do. So they're lens is so limited mm -hmm. because they probably know what their parents do and they might know what a couple other people do. But even if they know what their job title is, they may not know what those people really do. And I'll give you a perfect example and then I'll continue my rant. <laughs> I have a lot of athletes who come in who want to be physical therapists. Oh, my physical therapist helped me so much when I had my ACL surgery. I want to be able to help people like that. I want to be a physical therapist. I loved it. It was so great. And I'm like, great. I'm going to send you on a shadow. Shadow? I've already been there. I know what they do. No, you know what the patient does. Now I need you to see what the physical therapist actually does. Over 80% of them have come back and said, I don't want to do it. Wow. And the reason is, wow. when you are in physical therapy, you are very active. Move your knee. Can you move your leg this way? Twist your knee this way. Move this way. You're active the whole time. Athletes like to be active. Mm -hmm. But when you're the physical therapist, you're taking notes. In between patients, you're writing up plans. Mm -hmm. You're emailing the referring physician. You may be emailing a surgeon. You're dealing with insurance companies. It is so paperwork intense that when kids see that, they're like, wait, half your day doing paperwork? Well, wouldn't you rather know that before you go on this whole route and you don't find it out until your first year of actual PT school and you're looking and going, wait, what? what? Like, yeah. What I so I think Yo, the biggest wow. challenge for most students is that they don't know what they don't know mm -hmm. and they think they have a better idea of what something is than what it really is. I had a student years ago, I worked with his older sister and she went off to college and we figured out her major. We always set up shadows. She was thrilled. The son came in for test prep and I'm like, what about you? Do you need to figure out a major? No, I'm going into engineering. Mom's like, yeah, we don't need any help. We've known since he was little. He loved playing with Legos. He's going to be an engineer. Oh boy. Great grades, fabulous in math. So the kid does all of his applications, direct admit into engineering programs, and the kid kind of had a little inkling in the back of his head. 
And his parents had several friends who were engineers. Engineers who talked about how much they loved their jobs. Yeah, oh, you're going to love engineering. I love it. Da, da, da. And so he said to the parents, can you set up like shadows? Can I go see what they really do? He shadowed three different people, hated all three of them. The wow. kid's in a panic. Oh my God, I applied direct admit to engineering properties. Like, I hate this. Like, I can't do this my whole life. What am I going to do? Can I change my major and everything? Oh, he no. came in, we worked through our career exploration program, figuring out a major, what that looks like, what do you really want to do? A lot of people focus on a kid's strengths. I mm -hmm. start with their interests. Man, the average person today works till they're 69 and a half years old. If you don't like what you do, you are going to be miserable. Yeah. I had an Irish for sure. grandmother who taught me how to clean. I'm an outstanding cleaner. The thought of cleaning other people's houses to make a living, I'd shoot myself. It's just not for me. So yeah. you can't take my strengths and automatically apply it. I have other strengths too that maybe I didn't even recognize were strengths earlier, but now I do know what they are. Mm -hmm. And I think kids, it's that way. They're good in math. Oh, be an engineer. No. Yeah. With this kid, was it a complete disconnect? Like you said, he didn't know what he didn't know, but was there a really big disconnect that he found out later between what he thought engineering was or was it just the fact that maybe his parents said oh you're good at these things you should be uh, something they understood i think because they told him you're good at this mm -hmm. you should do this mm -hmm. and because he'd heard engineers say how much they love their jobs he just kind of like okay i'll just follow this path and then when it started to get real he's like maybe i need to know a little bit more and that's when his parents contacted their friends hey can he come for a day and here's a perfect case kids will say Oh, I want to be an automotive engineer. And I'm like, great. What does that mean to you? Oh, I love drawing cars and everything. And I'm like, yeah, that's not what they do. <laughs> Wait, what? One of my former success coaches, her brother-in-law is an engineer at Tesla. He designs steering wheels. I go, how long do you think it takes him to design a steering wheel? And they're like, I don't know, two weeks. I go, how about four years? Whoa. Four years? And they're like, I'd be so bored. I'm like, then that's not the career for you. <laughs> There's a lot that goes into it, more than just drawing. It's a nice steering wheel, though. I got to admit. Yeah. But see, they don't know what they don't know. Here's the other reason. I think shadows are so incredibly important. If a kid has an opportunity, I don't care if the shadow's just via Zoom, because, you know, a lot of people are working at home now. Mm -hmm. I don't want any kid going to somebody's dining room table and sitting with them to find out what they do. But if they have a conversation with somebody, they're going to gain a lot of insight. We always give kids questions because, you know, it's a lot of fire hose effect where the professional is like, oh, this happens, this happens, this happens. This is where I went to school. This is what I do. Blah, 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 blah. Do you have any questions? The kid's trying to absorb all that. Deer like, in headlights. Oh, yeah. I think we've answered everything. No, here's your list of questions. Start having a conversation. Genius. Kids will turn that into a conversation, send a thank you note. And then when they need that first internship, mm. they have somebody to reach out to. When they need their first job, they have somebody they've kept in touch with to reach out to. It's like a win-win across yeah. the board. A lot of the parents will be like, oh, I don't think my 16 or 17, 18-year-old needs to decide on their job. Agreed, 100%. Mm -hmm. But let's get them starting to understand what the options are. Right. Because there's yeah. going to be certain things once they understand, they're going to immediately eliminate. And when they do, that's good. Because now we're narrowing that funnel. And as we narrow that funnel... Okay, what major could get you to a couple of these? Where could we start knowing yeah. that we might switch a little junior year, switch a little this way or switch a little this way? But that one major, so you're on track to graduate in four years and not incur not only an additional year of college expense, mm. a year less of income. Mm -hmm. So when you factor 
the 40 you're paying and the 60 you didn't make, that's $100,000 a year. It's a big difference. You're like starting it. retirement planning later right. and all of that kind of stuff and more. It's a big lack in our school systems. I think there's some computerized programs, Naviance has to take a quiz to tell you what career. I do not think that is worthwhile at all. And I'll tell you why. Kids need to talk to someone. Materials scientists or materials engineers are a great example. First of all, most kids don't even know there's a job out there called materials engineer. Because mm. okay, when they think engineer, they think civil, mechanical, electrical, maybe a couple other things. But they don't think materials. But in the job description, it says that they write reports. Oh, I don't like English. I hate reports. I, this is not the type of engineer I want. I'm like, hold on a second. <laughs> Jen, you're building a new golf club. And you find a material that's going to like have the perfect flex in that golf club. So the ball's going to go straighter. The ball's going to go farther. Golfers are going to want this golf club because this material is going to make a better golf club. Could you write a report to tell the rest of the department why you're going to use this material? Mm. Oh, yeah, but that's not a real report. It is for a materials <laughs> engineer. So again, they don't know what they don't know. So just yeah. reading about it on their own, waste of time because yeah. they'll discount things that could be optional because their preconceived notion, not based in reality. Yeah. Now the kid who you mentioned averted disaster by not going into the engineering program, what did he end up doing? He actually is working in corporate finance. Okay. Yeah. So he's still using his math skills and his analytical skills, but in a completely different realm. And he's got a lot more interaction with people. Mm -hmm. And it was just a better fit for him overall than the three engineers he shadowed in the types of engineering they were doing. Still solving problems, sometimes big problems, just different problems in a different right. way. That brings me to thinking about the fact that there are so many jobs right now that didn't exist 20 years ago. There are jobs five yeah five years ago even and there are jobs now yeah like professional tiktoker i mean who who knew right right but there are jobs that are happening right now that are not going to be around in five years 20 years right because of technology and people of a certain age have seen this happen no different than the meme that i see on socials where it says you know 100 years ago only rich people had automobiles and poor people had horses and now it's exactly opposite everyone has a car and only rich people have horses and the fact that it only took 66 years to go from the very first powered flight you know the airplane to landing on the moon so what do you see happening let's say in the next 20 years for jobs we don't even know exist how do you educate kids for that if you're a university how are people thinking about that right now universities i see are taking better steps to diversify their programs, add new programs. We do a ton of research here. You know, it's funny, people are like, oh, you work three to nine when students are available. And I'm like, no, I'm in my office <laughs> by nine every morning. I'm finding out things that I can share with them. I'm doing research, I'm talking to people and so forth. We try to stay on top of it. We see new programs happening. One of the biggest things though, and this is again, a problem with our education system. Our education system was built when Rockefeller knew that they needed employees for industry, for Ford and everybody. And so they wanted employees who could stay in one place for a long period of time, who could follow directions mm. and could do the basic math, English, and so forth. Over the years, we've upped the skill level of math and English. The kids still have to stay in place. I go into a local high school to teach ACT after school. And the very first week I'm there, I'm like, do not raise your hand and ask me if you can go to the restroom. 
if you know you need to go, just step out. Yeah. Literally, these kids in two years could have guns in their hands and defend me. <laughs> right. They, they decide yeah. if they have to use the bathroom. Like, come on. But again, that was the methodology for if you're working in a manufacturing plant, you can't just leave your post and mm. go to the restroom. This stuff has been drilled into them. And one of the things we've kind of lost along the way for a lot of students is the curiosity and love of learning. Mm-hmm. Instead, they're after the grade just to check a box. If they find an area that they really love going into in college, they're going to redevelop that love of learning, that interest to want to know more, not just check a box. And if you love learning, you're going to be better prepared for jobs of the future. Because as you hear things, you're going to be like, huh, what's that about? I need to check that out. Mm -hmm. Not that you need to change your major and go follow that path, but could it mean like, Huh, I'm hearing how there's more computer technology, say, in physical therapy. Maybe I should start taking a couple of computer classes just in case. I want to see how that works. Yeah. Okay. Why wouldn't we add that in? Does that make you more valuable when you're coming out? Probably you have another skill set. Mm-hmm. But it's that love of learning, that curiosity, that wanting to know more, not just check boxes along the way that helps every generation kind of morph. Like you didn't know about podcasting when you decided to be a photographer. Didn't exist. And if you were being a photographer, podcasting came up, you're like, huh, that's a creative outlet. Goes along with the photography in the fact it allows you to express yourself, Mm -hmm. express other people's views and opinions versus just their emotions through photo, let's say. So you figured out how to do it because you had the curiosity. And you didn't mind learning yeah, because it was something you're interested in. And I think we've taken interest so far out of school. You Mm. have to do this. You have to take this. Mm -hmm. It makes me crazy. We tell kids, you don't have to take any of these classes. Take this. Like you have your minimum graduation requirements. After that, like let's explore. Yeah, You need some rigorous classes, some AP classes, AP art, AP psych. It doesn't have to be AP Calc and AP Physics. Mm-hmm. Take things that are of some interest to you. AP Research, what a fabulous course. Not all schools have it. Okay. But there's opportunities. I think love of learning is what really will inspire people to be prepared for those jobs as they come available. Okay. I'm interested if you've ever run across a kid and you've done an interview or you've had some interactions and you just looked at them and said, I don't know that college is even right for you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I have a kid right now who he had been working for a landscape company for the last couple of years as a high school student. Over the summers, a little bit during the school year, we're in Cleveland. Landscaping doesn't happen after October 30th, basically. He's such a great worker. His employer said, look, after high school, I'll pay you a very good salary and I want you to run a crew. And in the winter, you're going to be salary. You're going to get paid all year. And in the winter, you'll run the snowplop crew. Mm. And the kid's like, you know, like, I don't know. Like, should I go to college? And when we worked through the areas he had the most interest in, one of them was being a pilot. And I'm like, dude, there's an airstrip 40 minutes from your house Mm. where you can train to be a pilot. You don't have to have a bachelor's degree to be a pilot. And he's like, oh, Hmm. okay. So he's working for the landscaping company. He's also taking flight lessons. Well, he's getting his ground licensing right now. But yeah, college is not for everyone. And four-year college is not for everyone. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. 
But again, most parents are like, I want them to have that piece of paper. And I get that because that piece of paper does definitely open doors in a lot of areas. But they have to have an interest in what they're doing. So find the right school. That's a great story because he knows what he wants to do, but he probably thought, well, if I'm going to be a pilot, this is kind of my dream. I need to go to school so that I can go to more school, flight school, I guess they call it. And then that's going to take a ton of time. And money. And money. And you looked at him and said, no, actually, it takes a lot of time, but you can skip the whole get that bachelor's degree thing and go straight to what you really want to do. Because that's one of those careers where there's definite rigid criteria and everything for it, but it's not something you're going to learn at a university. There are universities that do have programs for pilots. Okay. However, do you really need to take a biology class in college to be a pilot? No. Do you really need to take a history class, a sociology? No. And here's the thing. The kid also has an interest in cars. So we kind of scoped out, like, what if you go to an automotive technology program? But he doesn't like new cars. He likes old vintage cars. Mm-hmm. And he is making a lot of money for this employer that he's worked for for a couple of years. So it wasn't like taking a leap. Yeah. But I'm like, okay, with that money, you stay living at home for a couple of years. And you buying vintage cars, putting them out in the barn, fixing them up, like doing what you want to do on them and doing your pilot stuff. You could have a really good life that you enjoy. Mm-hmm. That's what he's doing. And his mom, his mom and dad are entrepreneurs. So they get it doesn't have to be that for your program to check a box. Yeah. So they're thrilled that I gave him permission and the confidence that they had been giving him. <laughs> yeah. But, it can't you know, come from mom and dad, though. Right. Right. So we fleshed it out. We went through everything. We even do budgeting exercises with kids when they're like, well, I don't even know. Like, is that good money? Like, I don't even know what that buys you Mm. when we talk about salaries. So we go through a whole budgeting exercise. And when we do that, we also factor in with student loans, without it. Mm, Okay. So you really want to have these student loans because otherwise you're living back at home. And let me tell you, there's a point in your life where a significant other is not coming back to your parents' house anymore. <laughs> so you really need to be out on your own. And they're like, oh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I know we've talked about the fact that education hasn't really kept up with things. Is that breakdown all the way from K through 12? Is that at the university level? Is it everything? I think K through 12 is the biggest problem. And it's because the government has their hand in it. Each yeah. state decides what the criteria are. Mm-hmm. And you have politicians making decisions that aren't standing in classrooms, Mm -hmm. that aren't researching the next wave of jobs, that are getting sound bites of, well, in China, their test scores are this, so we need to up our level of rigor so our test scores meet. What we're not doing, though, is increasing the interest kids have. Mm -hmm. So our test scores are falling. Because we haven't given them a reason to be interested in this stuff. Are there some schools and universities that you see are doing it really well? They're trying to break the mold? A lot of universities are breaking the mold. A lot of the universities are definitely doing a much better job with unique programs, programs specific to particular industries that offer a lot of opportunities for kids. So there are some that are definitely ahead of the game. But again, a lot of it, too, depends on what major are you looking at. That might determine which universities Mm -hmm. versus this major. It might be these universities who have put a lot of money or extra programming in place. 
Okay. So let's say someone's listening to this right now. They've got a rising ninth grader. So their kid's in the eighth grade right now. As soon as fall rolls around, they're going to be a freshman in high school. What should that parent be thinking about? What conversation should they be having with their kid to get them thinking in the right direction? And also, what should the parent be thinking about financially and all the things that play into it? four years before they have to really, I guess, three years before they have to really commit to something. Right. There's a lot. That's a big question. Parents need to start getting on college campuses with kids much sooner. Mm. We don't wait till the junior year to go and look at a couple colleges. Every time you're on vacation, you're traveling to a relative's house, even in your local area. Where can we go for a day and take a tour? A lot of times people are like, oh my God, they're in ninth grade. Like that's so far away. It's not. But the idea is that you're exposing them to what their future could look like. So let them see enough so they can decide how they want it to look. Mm -hmm. A lot of times kids will go to one school and they'll be like, oh, I really loved it. And then they go to the next school and they're like, oh, this was so much better. I don't really (laughs) like that school anymore. Okay, well, if you're doing that really late in the lab, how do you know you applied to the right schools? Mm -hmm. The sooner you start also exposing kids to other classes, things outside. If a kid expresses an interest in something, okay, great, let's do it. It's really easy as a parent. We all want what's best for our kids. So we're very quick to go, well, how are you going to make money doing that? Like, Is that really something you can do? (laughs) But letting them develop their interest so that maybe they can figure out how they can monetize that or they deal with a professional like us. This is what we do. We help kids figure out how do they take their interest, combine with some skills perhaps, and make that into a career. For someone listening who fits that description, what is the best time frame to get in touch with someone like you? And what is the best way to get in touch with you? If they say, you know what, it's overwhelming. I just need Kelly. How do we get in touch? Fabulous. Thank you. Sophomore year is a great time. Most of the professionals we've worked with don't want to see a kid until their junior year. There's a maturity level and so forth. So starting sophomore year to kind of start planting the seeds and what do you see and what do you like and what does that look like? Maybe even giving them some additional things like, oh, you think you'd want to work in this? Why don't you go volunteer here? See how you like that. Or Mm -hmm. why don't you do this? Is super helpful so that by the time they are in their junior year, we've narrowed that focus to the point where we can start setting up shadows so they can determine, yes, I like it, or they come back like, oh my God, no. Okay, so we got to go back. And what's most important? Where do we find that in a career? Sophomore year is great. That being said, I have college kids who come in who are like, oh my gosh, I thought this was what I wanted to do. So it's never too late mm-hmm. for somebody to figure out what they want to do. We're helping an adult right now who was downsized from a job. And she's like, I've always had this interest in doing this. And I'm like, great, come on in. We can help you with that. And we're helping her with all the tech issues Mm -hmm. to set up this business that she's going to run. But she didn't know how to run this business. She didn't know like where to start. She's like, it's going to take me six months to figure this. And I'm like, no, this is like an hour. Come on in. Wow. So we can get it done. So how do people find me? The best way, I'm going to give you a couple, but the best way is people can text at 440-454-0850. That's the quickest, fastest, easiest way. You can go to our website. It's Kelly, K-E-L-L-Y, at Kelly, K-E-L-L-Y, hyphen, okay. Matt, M-A-C dot com. And then if you go to Facebook, there's College Made Easy by Kelly McLean. That's another great way. You can DM me on there and happy to answer questions and help anybody who needs some help. 
That's fantastic. We'll put all of those in the show notes so people can get to them easily from the website. And I really thank you for having this conversation. I was really interested in the piece where we talked about 18-year-old kid has passions and then what does that passion turn into in their late 30s, early 40s? And you described it beautifully with the 20s and the 30s where kind of get certain things and it just fits perfectly with so many of the stories that I hear every single day having these conversations for the podcast. So thank you so much for explaining that and thank you for your perspective and your expertise. And I can't wait for people to hear this and get more conversations going. Thanks. I really appreciate being on here. I love the work you're doing. And I think back in the day when I went to college, like the goal was to come out and get a crappy job and then work your way up the corporate ladder. Exactly. That is not the goal for anybody anymore. No. Nobody thinks about like, I'm going to work. got time for that. Exactly. And I also find that kids today, most of them want to make an impact. They're Mm -hmm. not just looking to have a job to make a paycheck. I mean, there are some kids who I just want to get paid a lot of money, but most kids want to add value right away. want to impact people right away. And that was not something that was talked about 40 years ago when I went to school. It's different today. And we have to change the conversations with kids to ask them, what are you interested in? How do you see it? I ask kids all the time, when you're 27 years old, you roll out of bed on a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. What clothes are you putting on? And their expression just goes blank. And they're I, I don't know. <laughs> it's funny because little girls always plan their wedding. Like they have this vision of their wedding in their mm-hmm. head. But you ask somebody what they're going to do when they're 27 and they roll out of bed on a Wednesday morning. They're like, I don't know. I think we should be planning for that. I think we should be giving kids ideas like what that could look like. But they really don't know. So we're here to help with I love that. Thank you. And that wraps it up so well. And I so appreciate you taking your time today. And I can't wait to launch this episode and see what the reaction is. Thank you very much for having me and letting me share. Thank you so much for joining me today and be sure to come back next week. Oh, and can I ask a favor? I love connecting with people who have either led their own joyful rebellion or professionals who help others through that journey. So if you know someone like that, there's a big yellow button on the homepage at ajoyfulrebellion.com. I'd really appreciate you reaching out with a suggestion or introduction. Thanks again, and I'll see you back here next week.